It's time for episode 192 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded live in San Jose, Tuesday, June 6, 2017. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast, where it's time for a whole boatload of Apple news. I'm your host, Dan Morin, and I'm joined today by a very special guest co-host. He just, he couldn't stay away across the table from me. Mr. Jason Snell is here. Hi, Jason. Welcome back. Hi, Dan. You're still doing this? I thought Wheezy Greed you would never come back here. I know that. that de- I definitely left the door wide open when I departed. <laughs> I tried to like jam it shut, but I apparently said, you find like, your way watch, back in. Hold my keys. I'll be back in a minute. Yeah. Well, this is the show where we talk about four tech topics with two wonderful guests. To my left, the co-founder of Relay FM and the co-host of many shows, including Liftoff, Mr. Stephen Hackett is here. Hi, Stephen. Hey, today I beat Mike Hurley in the guest host <gasps> count. Oh. We've that's... been tied for a long time, and today I claim victory. Somewhere he is cursing. That's right. And to my left, it's Aline Sims. Former host of Less Than or Equal, but she has a new podcast whose name I cannot think of right now, but it's, it's all sparkly. It is all sparkly. <laughs> Originality. Originality. On Relay <laughs> FM. What is it with podcasts with one-word titles? I don't know. There's only so many words. We're going to run out. We are. It was, it was hard to find one word for this one. It's so. going to bring down the whole business. Thank it you is, for being yeah. here. I'm well, happy. As we discussed up top, it was WWDC this week, which means there is a ton of Apple news to talk about. I'm going to kick it off with the, the sort of the one more thing of the keynote, and that was the HomePod, the much-anticipated Siri speaker. And so we got a look at it this week. I'm curious to know your thoughts and whether you think this is an able competitor to both the Echo slash Google Home and the Sonos, as Phil Schiller seemed to suggest it was. Stephen, what do you think? I think it's really interesting how Apple is positioning it that it is a really nice speaker that has Apple Music and does all these nice things. And, oh, in the fine print at the bottom of the webpage, it does some Siri stuff, too. I think uh, a lot of us around this table, if not all of us, really like the Amazon Echo and the the lady service in it, whose name I will not say. (laughs) And it's great because you can talk to it and it can do things for you. And Siri can obviously do a lot of that, but that's sort of secondary to to the sense that it, this seems to be a, a music product first. And I do like, you know, Apple has always said music is close to the heart of the company. It's very important to them. And so anytime they make a move in music, I always like that. I always like the kind of returning home. And so uh, I'm anxious to, to see how it works and, and how it sounds. Um, but all in all, I'm excited that it exists. And I think that um, hopefully it'll be pretty good. And going on the, the music front is it's good marketing, I think, in the sense that Apple's marketing this as a a solution to a problem, which is people love uh, voice control and they and they like music, and so they've got a pro a product that does both with good quality audio because that is a weakness of the Echo. And I was saying yesterday to a bunch of people, like I have a Sonos in my house, and my family plays the music on the Echo because they don't have to fiddle with remotes or anything; they yeah. just say play this song and it totally works. So I think it's maybe smart for Apple to go out with that. I'm a little surprised that Siri isn't a little more to the fore. I'm not sure whether that's because Apple doesn't have as much confidence in Siri as a selling point versus Apple Music and good quality speakers. That is up 
in hindsight, this is sort of the product that it should have been all along, which is Apple selling a premium speaker product attached to its own services. So I'm looking forward to it. I did get to hear one yesterday, and it sounded pretty good. They're doing a lot of processing of the audio. There's a lot of sort of smart focus of the different speakers. Um, and it'll be interesting to see in the end when uh, people who really love music get a chance to listen to the finished product, how they feel about how Apple's doing it. Because it is a single speaker. It's a mono speaker. It's not going to fill your room with surround sound. It's a little bit different, but it did sound very good and better than the competition for sure. Yeah, the the Siri thing is really interesting. And I, I'm wondering if it's because I'm sitting here listening to us talk and Siri has a bit of a reputation, you know, as being not overly reliable. And I was even thinking before Jason brought up Siri, I was like, you know, Siri on my phone is kind of slow. I can ask the Echo a question and it's pretty dang quick. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like that's something that they're going to have to work on. And maybe part of the reason why they are focusing on sound quality, that $349 price point, I don't, it's a very Apple price point, it is. Uh, mm-hmm. but I am I am concerned uh, that I mean obviously there are people who are going to buy it, but my husband and I are watching the keynote and we looked at each other and we're like, I don't know about that. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I'm sure it'll I'm sure it'll be great, but it's gonna it's going to be interesting to see who actually ends up being the user for this because I'm not sure that it's necessarily you know the people who make the pilgrimage to San Jose you know um so I think their market is not necessarily us because I don't know we're already in the echo ecosystem anyway and it's pretty expensive so yeah I mean in the music thing I think makes sense for all the reasons you've said plus Apple has long had a history with music. It makes sense for them to like fold that in and say, this is really about listening at home and the other stuff is kind of ancillary. What the big challenge is going to be is this thing is going to ship out of the box with Apple Music integration. But if you want to get music from other sources on there, there's a big question mark. You might be able to airplay stuff. It's unclear. But if so, I mean, their sort of competitive advantage then is you can ask Siri to play stuff from you know Apple Music or you can fiddle around with your phone and play stuff from Spotify over airplay, right? Like that's, if you want to be able to play music from a variety of different sources more easily, Sonos may still be a better bet because they're going to work with, try to work with everything. So it's smart, but it's also kind of limited at the same time. Thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's go to topic number two from Steven. So uh, a couple of months ago now, I guess it's been a little while, Apple had that roundup conversation in Cupertino where they talked about the future of the Mac Pro and how, you know, we're really sorry that the trash can didn't work out, but we're going to start over. <laughs> Uh, see you sometime after 2017. But in that, they also mentioned that they were working on what they called at the time, uh, was it more professional configs of an iMac. And we got a tease of that yesterday in the iMac Pro. It comes in Space Gray, which uh, those in the room can see Space Gray MacBook Pro is close to my heart. And this looks like a killer machine. Lots of things that I would have considered Mac Pro-like features you know, multiple cores, I think up to 18 cores, EEC RAM up to 128 gigs, four terabytes of SSD. It's a serious machine, uh, and it's not coming out till December. And I'm very curious, as as pro users of the Mac, all of us, what we think about it. It's very clearly designed, and you can see based on Apple's comments at that roundtable that they did, it's very clear, this is the product Apple designed to replace the Mac Pro. And then they decided they weren't going to replace the Mac Pro. And I think it leaves them, the Mac Pro in an interesting spot of sort of like, what is it for then? How, what, what role does it fill in the ecosystem if an iMac Pro exists? But as a professional, you know, 
I do a lot of audio processing and denoising of things, and that can take a long time, and my iMac fans spin, and I thought about, like, boy, having more cores would be really nice. The fact is, this thing is so powerful, even at its base, and it is a $5,000 computer Mm -hmm. that... Initially, I was thinking, oh, man, I really want this. And then I thought, no, this is overkill for me. This is for for people at the very high end who have incredibly uh, uh, serious needs beyond what I I would benefit from just a faster multi-core processor on on an iMac, I think, than I would from this. But if you're in that high range, this is not going to be an enormous seller, but I think it has a lot of appeal. In fact, in part because it is meant to appeal to everybody who would have otherwise bought a Mac Pro because the Mac Pro was going to go away. So I think it's a really interesting product. It's not going to be the the Mac we think of as what the Mac is now. It's going to be this kind of limited oddity. But again, showing love to the high end is what everybody wanted in the last six months. All the all the grumpiness, right? And here it was. And I think I think that's great. It's just it's definitely a high end computer. They don't. There's no there's no uh, cheap out configuration at three grand, right? Yeah. It's five grand <laughs> to start, and that's not the big core one. That's going to be the eight core it's, one. I it's think eight so. core with a terabyte SSD. I think thirty two gigs of RAM. Yeah. So it starts there, and then the sky's the limit. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I do feel like this is kind of a Hey, look, we're listening. We we know that you have needs that are maybe not being served right now, um, that are definitely not being served right now. So I do think that it's great. Like Jason says, I do think the audience is very small. I am a professional, um, but this is way, you know, like I'm not making, you know, VR games or anything like that. I'm, you know, I'm writing, I'm podcasting, I'm, I'm doing that kind of thing. So I've never been the type of person who needs something super, super powerful, but I'm really hoping that that does serve the needs for the people doing the, the intensive tasks. Um, I'm, I'm going to stick with my MacBook, but, uh, it's, it's great that it exists. I'm kind of, uh, anxious and excited to see what they come up with for the actual like Mac pro and what that looks like. If this is their iMac pro what does their dedicated separate box or trash can or whatever shape it is look like? Yeah, the, there's a lot of questions. I, I think you're right. The, it, it's great that they put that stake in the ground for pro users, as they said they would. It's an impressive-looking computer. I really love the space gray. That looks mm-hmm. It does look awesome. I'm sorry yeah. I can't get like the keyboard and the trackpad without it. I know. Yeah, they're not going to sell them no, separately. No, but I mean, it wouldn't match anyways, I guess. So but it'd be awesome. it would be awesome. <laughs> but I think the big question, the Mac Pro thing is a huge question because you got to leave headroom for this Mac Pro if this really is going to be a huge, like, product that is going to appeal to so many people how do you have room in the lineup for both of these things like that that is puzzling to me and is some of it the idea being like you want to essentially convince more people to use the iMac Pro instead of going to the Mac Pro somehow and say like oh maybe this is enough for you I'm not sure but it seems like having uh you know both of those elements in the lineup it's it's a big question because is the Mac Pro, as it was selling previously, seemed to only be a, a small percentage of the sales overall. So if now you've got two pro-level computers up there, you're like maybe cutting those sales in half. So how is that going to work if you're develop, devoting a whole bunch of your lineup to the top end? And there's a lot of choices, which is great, but it's not for a lot of people in the market. Even in, I, like Aline, I'm a writer, I'm a podcaster. I wouldn't mind that much machine, but I certainly don't need it, and the it's a little bit out of my price range. Right. Yeah, I think really the only thing left at the top the top end for the Mac Pro is multi-processor support. So still a single processor in the in the iMac Pro, just lots of cores and upgradable RAM. It's sealed in. It's not soldered, right. but it's sealed in, which really hurts my heart. <laughs> and you know, 
if they bring expandability back and card yeah. slots. So I think there's still room for the Mac Pro. I'm really afraid of how much that starting cost is going yep. to be. Yeah. I, I kinda it's got to be more than $5,000, yeah, you feel like. Yeah. Five, it's like uh, the price is right, 5001 Yeah. Uh, so we'll, I guess we'll see later this year into, uh, into next year. So, um, so yeah. Well, that's two topics down, which means it's halftime here at Clockwise. Today's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by our good friends at Linode. Linode lets you get set up in seconds with their fast and powerful hosting. Their tools are easy to use and understand. And they let you choose your resources in Linux distro, giving you the power and flexibility you need. The best of all, Linode plans now start at just $5 a month for a Linux server with a gigabyte of RAM in the Linode cloud. Whether you're just getting started with your first server or deploying a complex system, Linode is the right choice for you. They offer fastest hardware and network with fantastic customer support behind it all. And it's never been easier to launch a Linode cloud server. Linode guarantees 99.9% uptime for server availability. Once your server's up, they keep it that way. They're great for tasks like hosting large databases, running a mail server, running a private Git server, operating powerful applications, all the way down to just running your WordPress site, which is what I do. And as I mentioned up top, they've got fantastic pricing options available. You can get a server with a gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month, and you can go all the way up to that 16 gigabytes per RAM option if you need it for $60 a month. Across the board, Linode's offering twice the amount of RAM you'll get elsewhere. And best of all, as a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com clockwise, you'll not only be supporting us, but you also get $20 towards any Linode plan. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there is nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash clockwise to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit, or use the promo code clockwise2017 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. Okay, halftime's over. Jason, you got the next topic. All right. So lots of iPad news this week. Not only new hardware, the 9.7-inch iPad Pro has, is gone, transmogrified into a 10.5-inch iPad, and a new hardware for the 12.9-inch iPad Pro as well. But on the software side, iOS 11 is rife with iPad professional features, including a dock, a files app, multitasking of a different kind, including something that looks suspiciously to Mac users, like kind of like spaces. There's a lot going on here. There's a new keyboard, lots of iPad news. And I'm curious to all of you, what's your take on the iPad news? And is there something in particular that jumped out at you as as the most interesting? Oh, gosh. So I'm excited for the much-rumored 10.5-inch iPad. I think the last time I was on Clockwise, we talked about that, and I was like, I think I might go with that. And I still think I might go with that. I'm waiting for it to come into stores so I can uh, hopefully read some comics on it and see what I think about the size. Um, but I am shocked by the file system. If you had asked me a week ago, you know, uh, Federico Vitici's amazing iOS 11 wishlist video had like this file system on it. And I watched it and I'm like, yeah, that's a pie in the sky dream. That's never, ever, they're never going to do that. And they did. And the thing that struck me is how this really seems to affirm that the iPad is what Apple thinks is the future of computing. And I think that they are making some concessions to uh, what I am referring to as the olds, the people who are used to file systems and that kind of thing, who are you know used to having a dock. I think that they're making concessions for people like me to get us in there. And then, I don't know, maybe that'll strip away as time goes on, as they get more people uh, using the platform heavily. But that's what really, really struck me is it's like, yeah, this is I, I feel like this is their commitment to 
something iPad-like, if not the iPad exactly, as the future, long-term future of computing. Which is interesting because the way I was coming at it was it seemed very much like a throwback. And like so the thing that jumped out to me was the dock and the multitasking aspect thereof because I immediately said, it's okay, there really are like moving towards the Mac in some ways, right? And between that and yep. the file system and multitasking drag and drop, there was a large whiff of we finally decided to stop trying to strip everything down and re- and like rebuild it in a better way and instead decided, you know what, those concepts that we've spent three decades really trying to perfect on the Mac still kind of work on the iPad. Why not just go with that instead of trying to reinvent the wheel? Yeah, we can streamline it down a bit. We can remove some extraneous stuff. It's not like you're going through your file browser and looking at system files or anything. But, you know, a hierarchical file system turns out it's not too complicated for most people because everybody has spent the last 30 years working with files and folders for the most part. Or they throw it all on the desktop. Which is fine. It doesn't matter. It's not going to hurt you here. So, like, I honestly, I feel like there was a lot of concessions, as you were saying, to stuff working and, and getting stuff done the way that we are just used to doing it. So I, I'm interested in the 10.5-inch iPad. I've got, already got one on order. I'm really interested in the pencil stuff that's coming. I think that looks super cool because they finally looks like they move beyond just like, hey, you like drawing on a tablet? Use a pencil to don't draw like me. Like There's still a lot of stuff that you can do with handwritten notes and recognizing text and all that. And I think finally I feel like that is something that appeals to me as a non-artist. So I, I got one of those on order too. I'm really looking forward to taking a test drive of iOS 11. It really feels like iOS 11 on the iPad is for the first time they're really utilizing multi-touch more than just gestures. And so an example that I saw in the State of the Union, you know, now if you tap and hold an app icon to rearrange your home screen, we've all done it. It's all terrible, right? Because you have to like drag it to the edge <laughs> and wait for the home screen to move. Well, now you can have it under your finger and swipe the home screen underneath and drop mm-hmm. it into a folder or change. And they're doing that using, they actually implemented the drag and drop. Not drag and drop. You don't want to drop a dragon. They're yeah, really no, no, that's You're going to crush your foot. You, yeah. you hurt drag and drop. They've utilized those APIs to rearrange the home screen. And so you're using... You can also touch multiple icons and then move multiple icons yeah. at once. Oh, so yeah. it's, 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 yeah. it's simple but good. It's I simple mean, but yeah. good. And I, it's just a really simple example of you're using two hands to manipulate content and, and iOS itself. You know, all of the the multitasking you drag up from the dock into the spaces overview and you have apps that are floating and split screen, all this stuff you can use multiple hands with or multiple fingers in a way that is more advanced than what we've seen. And it really feels like finally they're embracing that we have more than just a couple of fingers. We have, you know, we can do more complex actions. And And, you know, it's not... If you never know it's there, right? If you still just make the icons jiggle and drag it to the side of the display, that'll still work. Like yeah. it's still fine. But if you if you are capable and and are interested in these in these more advanced features, they're really leaning into multi-touch. It also seems like they're really positioning though for you gotta put it down, right? Like in that case. You can't. Yeah, hold if it's it in a keyboard case, if it's hand in, thing. Yeah, if you're holding it or even if it's a keyboard case, you know, there's yeah. there, or there's yeah. some stuff. It's on there. the table or it's on your lap. Interesting or, different configurations that yeah. are more yeah. If it just feels like finally like we're kind of entering uh like like this stuff we can only do in multi-touch yeah you know we're not just sort of mimicking having a cursor still right and that's really exciting to see where they push that in the coming years 
Dan, I like what you said about how it's sort of taking ideas from the Mac because I think that's what's going on here. Is I think that in their in their desire for simplicity, they were they were basically walling off things that are actually useful to a certain class of user because they're like, no, no, we don't want to go there. And it's almost like a test of like, can we get on without this stuff? And I think what's happening now is not that they're kind of relenting or for the old people among us to to uh, give get back a file system. I think it's more like, oh yeah, it turns out that some of that stuff as actually does have use. Let's do an iOS take on it. And I think that the more it feels like iOS and not like a Mac retread, the better. And like the doc is similar, but not the same. And the the expose kind of thing is similar, but again, not quite the same. And I like that about it. I'll also point out one of the things that I was realizing yesterday is that the default Mac experience is the Finder, right? And the default iOS experience is the Springboard. The Files app is there, but if you don't want to find files, you never have to use right. it. And I think that's a big, that's a good example of like, it's iOS. It's it's using some of this stuff that people need, but it's not putting it in your face. It's not the root concept of the OS like files was for the Mac, right? The desktop computer was like literally put files on a desktop in a folder. iOS, it's there if you want it, but you don't need it. Cool. Well, good thoughts on that. Let's move to our final topic from Aline. Okay, well, we've talked about, I think, the hardware, um, and I could go into uh, High Sierra or uh, <laughs> iOS 11. Bring what? a backpack. Oh, my gosh. Bring a canteen. Anyway, indeed, or never mind. Anyway, so, uh, but what, what I really want to know is we spend all of this time in the lead up to announcements in the WWDC keynote speculating about what they're going to announce. And I'm wondering, I, I know that, you know, with Upgrade, there's, there's some stuff that happened about who was maybe writer than another person but it's just a um, competition there's no wagering <laughs> um but i'm wondering what did you really think would be a gimme something that that they would definitely announce that didn't show up in in the presentation or state of the union or what you've read or understand so far about everything that was announced I really thought there was going to be a much bigger push and much more messaging behind it, Siri improvements. I really thought there was going to be, I was fully expecting them to say like, we've opened up Siri kit to all these different categories and they did expand it a bit, but not nearly as broadly as I thought they were going to. And moreover, I thought they were going to say, so you can work on your Siri kit apps and it works on iOS and it works on the Mac and it works on our brand new Siri speaker, the HomePod. That did not come to pass. There is no, as far as we can tell right now, there is no third-party app situation on the HomePod. Seems totally like first-party apps only, first-party implementation only. That shocks me because I really thought they were going to try and make sort of a leapfrog move on Amazon and Google by saying we're coming out of the gate strong by you know offering third parties and you've got six months to build these. Right. Why why pre-announce your product six months before it's ready if there's not a developer story? Yeah, as far as I can At tell, just, to, just yeah. to put a stake in the ground and say we're doing this like it is happening. But it's I agree. It's weird. So I really thought we were going to see much bigger Siri push. But all we saw were sort of some, some Siri kit improvements and the whole new voice thing, which I think comes out of the vocal IQ acquisition they did. But it was kind of... It's a little lackluster for what I was hoping for. I definitely had Siri in my you know, wish list as well, but something else that I was hoping to see more emphasis on was the iCloud family stuff. And I know, Jason, you've been talking about this as well. It's very basic. It's kind of broken in a lot of ways. They did a few things, so you can now buy a pool of storage for your iCloud family account. Yay. 
So I could buy, you know, two terabytes, and the the pri- or the price was nine 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 for one terabyte. Now that gets you two terabytes or something. It's all very confusing. Um, and I can share that with all my family members. So that that's nice, but still no family sharing of photo libraries. Still no um, real cohesive way. I think to to manage some of this stuff in like a, a centralized place and centralized way. I think they've got to circle back to that because a lot of people are using this stuff and especially with something like the HomePod, you know, these devices aren't just used by an individual a lot of the time. They're used by people in a household or people in a family who may have different Apple IDs. And if I ask it to put something on my calendar and it's set up with my wife's iCloud account, for instance, then then what happens? All of this stuff needs to be better and more integrated when it's more than just an individual. And hopefully they will circle back to that. I was kind of hoping this would be the year, but um, I'll uh, I'll just push that back another 12 months. Uh, for me, it's uh, it's finally um, putting a putting iTunes in the ground on the Mac mm. and creating an Apple Music app. I listen to music all the time on my Mac, and iTunes is okay, but it's not great. Yeah. And I really was hoping that they would take something more like the Music app on iOS, honestly, and have that be available and start the breakup of iTunes. And more broadly, I guess I would say, hi, Sierra, although I appreciate taking time to kind of focus on the base and the stability and all of that. But there's a lot of places in there where the Mac is still not at parity with iOS features and that that I really had hoped that they would uh, catch up. And as far as I can tell from what I've seen, it's not. There's no parity, but it is a parody. Oh. No. No, Dan. Sorry. I, I now I remember why I left. <laughs> oh. No, I mean I, to say I miss it. I mi- I totally uh-huh. miss you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on, Lean, what do you think? So really piggybacking on what Jason said, mine is much simpler. I my gimme was really iMessage parody or messages yeah. parody. Mm-hmm. Stickers on the Mac. Mm-hmm. Not even stickers on the Mac. Like I spend a lot. Right. Fireworks, I spend fireworks. a lot of time and care selecting <laughs> what iMessage effect goes with what emoji <laughs> mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. what family member. And I send it to my beloved husband and he says, Send oh, with lasers. I'm on my Mac. I didn't see that. <laughs> and I'm like, well, now you have to pick up your phone and you've got to look at that because I spent time doing this for you. <laughs> And you have to do that. And I felt like that was, and of course, the curse of the person not wa- not working on this. You know, I was like, that's really easy for them to do, <laughs> you know. But I thought for sure that was something that was going to come. Mm-hmm. And nope. We're, the we're the in- good news is those lasers are going to be synced to the cloud now. So all your devices will know that you sent lasers. <sighs> Thank goodness. Destroyed Thank by goodness. lasers. All right. That's the uh, our last topic. I think we have just enough time for a bonus topic. This week's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Squarespace. Enter offer code CLOCKWISE at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store or a portfolio or a blog. Squarespace Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install. There are no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code CLOCKWISE to get 10% off your first purchase, and of course, to show your support for CLOCKWISE. 
We thank Squarespace so much for their support of Clockwise and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. And the bonus question this week, since many of us had to fly here uh, and some of us have to travel in other places, if you get to travel on a single airline, what is your airline of choice, Stephen? That's a very bold sort of personal <laughs> question. That's why we're here. So the airport uh, I fly out of is Memphis, and in Memphis you're much better off in a FedEx box than a, <laughs> as a passenger. <laughs> and we have very few options, and so several years ago I just decided just to, to get married to American Airlines. And so I, I was like, I had, I had points everywhere, it's like consolidate everything. They have a lot of options in out of Memphis. They're not always the cheapest. They're not always the best. None of them are great, uh, but my options were pretty limited. So. <laughs> Well, let's pour one out for Virgin America, mm. which is becoming just Alaska Airlines, which is not a bad airline, no, and I'm not. hoping that some of the style and class wears off on Alaska, because Alaska is just a little more rudimentary. Virgin America was great, and whenever I'm flying somewhere regionally instead of sort of across the country, I'm a Southwest person. I love Southwest. I don't, I don't mind lining up in, in A53, and I get to pick <laughs> my seat. It's cheap. It fly, they fly all the time, all over the West Coast, um, and they fly out of all the major Bay Area airports, so I've even got my pick there. So Southwest is all that's left now that Virgin has been ripped from me. Yeah, I'm still a budget shopper, um, So I, and Virgin doesn't fly out of Phoenix, so I never had the chance to really have that experience. But yeah, I still price shop. I don't, I, I'm, I'm... No loyalty. Past, yeah, no lo- I have no mercenary. loyalty. It's, it's really representative of who I am overall, I think. I think, yeah. I, I, I think that about you. Yeah. You're very mercenary. Yeah. Uh, I was a Virgin person until recently. Like, I really liked Virgin America. They fly great. I, I will, I like Alaska. They're not bad, but yeah, I agree with you, Jason. And otherwise, if I have to go someplace they don't go JetBlue. That's my that's yeah. my jam. It used to be my go-to before Virgin. Uh, yeah, like yeah, exactly. It, yeah. They they out they out JetBlued them. They did. Uh, well, that's all we have time for. Let's thank our wonderful guest Stephen Hackett. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for coming to my Airbnb to record it. <laughs> and Aline Sims, thank you for being here. Yeah, I love being on Clockwise. Well, Dan, we did it. <laughs> what do you mean we? <laughs> I don't know. I'm here. I'm also here. Yeah, you are also here. <laughs> well, another show, but you'll be gone next week. I will be. Micah Sargent will return. Yes. He's on assignment, which is say we left him at home. <laughs> yeah. uh, until then, though, remember, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>